0: Hi, I'm Emma, and this is a podcast from Rothbard University called Bottle Up. In each episode, I talk to a guest about things you might struggle with as an international student. In this episode, I talk to Sarah about the struggle of being completely independent while being abroad. Let's be open about our struggles. Cheers to the things we bottle up. Hi, Sarah.
1: Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good. a bit tired, but I'm doing all right.
0: And who are you?
1: <laughs> uh, my name is Sara and I am a twenty twenty one. My birthday was yesterday. I'm a congratulations. 21, thank you. I am a twenty one year old student from Poland. Uh, um, I study in the Netherlands, and I am also now a permanent immigrant here.
0: Okay, nice. And um, what do you study?
1: Uh, English Language and Culture Bachelor. I am in my first year right now. A bit old for a first year, but that's how it goes sometimes.
0: Yeah, how how come that you're...
1: Uh, well here's the thing about Poland. Uh, we are not in the Eurozone, which means our currency is our uh, currency of our country. And uh, simply speaking, it's pretty terrible. So uh, when I realized I wanted to study in the Netherlands, I realized I needed to get the money for tuition. And the problem with that is if you, if I'm earning and working in Poland, uh, the value in Euro is basically nothing. So I had to work for two years full time just to be able to pay my first year of tuition here. So it took two years. After I finished high school, I went to work immediately um i worked at an office uh, and a little bit above minimum wage was pretty okay and i i just basically saved all of that money to be able to emigrate so yeah that took a while but i'm finally here
0: <laughs> well, well good so you had to show real discipline to, uh, be <sighs> yeah, able to study I, <laughs> here
1: i think a lot of people who know me would say i'm too disciplined <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit much i think but i mean that's how i live my life so
0: and what do you mean by saying too discipline
1: well I'm that person that has uh, everything in their agenda for the next five years I'd, everything is planned I have to-do lists all on top of my to-do lists and uh, it was kind of like this with immigration as well. I think when I talk to a lot of other internationals, they say that they kind of came to the Netherlands because someone mentioned it, or they had family here, they had friends here, um, or they wanted to like explore a new culture. I came to the Netherlands after a year where I just was sitting down every single day and listing pros and cons for every single country I could immigrate to, and pros and cons for every single university. I have read pages and pages of, uh, like, university booklets and and stuff like this. Like, my preparation for coming here, I think, was really excessive now that I (laughs) think of it. But that's the kind of person I am. In order to make a decision, I need to spend so much time researching that it it gets ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Okay, but do you have any idea um, how you became the way you are now? Like, why are you so...
1: (laughs) Honestly, I think it might have something to do with uh, uh, untreated HDAD. Um, I I like to say that, you know, you either find medication or you just learn to deal with it by making your entire life about being organized. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it worked, but having to deal with HDAD is kind of, you you learn how to swim or you sink. It's it's (laughs) very much... I was lucky that my family let me be very independent so I could organize my life around myself. Uh, part of this was actually, <laughs> it's kind of a topic, but I ended up uh, homeschooling myself to high school. So I actually never finished public high school. I, After middle school, I realized that the system in school, like I was a good student, but it took me a lot of effort and a lot of well, tears, basically. Yeah. I was just very distressed at public schools and I realized, hey, I can do this myself. And I did. And I think those three years of homeschooling as well it's the type of thing where you need to have discipline like you need to get up every single day study all by yourself find books all by yourself if you don't understand something there's no one to help you you have to look it up online youtube was my best friend for years so uh, i think that also taught me how to deal with basically everything on my own uh but but yeah i I think it kind of contributed to this feeling of okay yeah everything has to be organized everything has to be on time because no one else was doing it for me Mm -hmm. I, i actually think that was quite a nice preparation for university. I think I I feel quite more confident. Like I don't really have issues with um, structuring my day or or figuring out when to study, how much to study or forcing myself to do it. I'm not a procrastinator at all, not in the slightest, which I feel like is is kind of unusual. Like all of my friends, when I told them that I've never really procrastinated, they were shocked. They were like, (laughs) what do you mean you don't procrastinate? I'm like, I don't. It's not not something I do.
0: (laughs) But I think it's quite a variable that you, like if you, struggle in high school it can also like turn to the side that you're like yeah screw it i'm i'm not doing it i'm i'm quitting here but you found the discipline to
1: just do it a different way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's because I genuinely like learning, and I wanted to keep learning. It was everything else—it was the teachers, other students, the noise, the chaos—that bothered me. And I thought, okay, so maybe I can just study without all of that other stuff. Um, it's a shame I, I missed some events, like like you know high school parties and stuff like that. But honestly, I feel like it was worth it. It just those two years were very peaceful for me, and mm-hmm. and I was lucky enough to avoid COVID as well. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. of course,
0: of course. But how did the the idea developed that you wanted to study abroad?
1: Well, that's the thing. Uh, The idea was, I think ever since I was like 14 or 15, I realized, okay, I cannot live in Poland. I have to immigrate. Uh, Honestly, it's kind of standard. Like if you're a young person living in any Eastern European country, at some point in your life, you're probably like, oh, I wish I didn't have to be here. I wish I could leave. Um, And I think not everyone makes it. In fact, most people don't because in order to immigrate, you you need money to some degree. Yes, Yes. I needed a little bit of money. But what you need a a lot more is discipline and it is that ability to research and on some level, I would say it's bravery or at least a feeling of safety that you are like, like I was thinking this entire time because everyone else told me like you are so brave for leaving your country and like going all on your own. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking I have a family back home that never restricted me and that supports me fully. So even if something happens, I can back and you know someone's gonna shelter me I'm not alone yeah and I feel like a lot of people don't have that kind of guarantee but yeah the idea of leaving is kind of standard if you live in an Eastern European country most of the time your greatest dream would be oh I wish I had been born in Germany I wish I had been born in the Netherlands like my first idea was actually Spain <clears throat> because I used to go to a bilingual Spanish school and I used to learn Spanish. I had been in Spain multiple times. Uh, So my dream essentially had been to go to Spain. Um, However, uh, after a while, I was starting to think about this more realistically, and I realized that Spain has some of the highest unemployment rates in the entirety of Europe. Spanish economy is an absolute disaster, to put it mildly. And I realized that uh, going into that would really not be a good idea for me at all. So it was probably better to look at something else. And then it started a game of kind of trying to, I just had a map of Europe in my room that I printed for myself. And I had all of the pros and cons on every country put on the map. And I was just crossing them out as I was going. It was like, like, no way. Too cold, too expensive. Yeah, uh, yeah, Spain, yeah. Listing everything. Terrible everything. <laughs> uh, UK, just left, left the European <laughs> Union. Not an option. <laughs> so eventually Netherlands eventually Netherlands was the only one left. And I thought, okay, so it looks like this is this is the country that fits all of my requirements. And I started to read about other people's experiences and about like how the schooling works. And I thought, okay, this this really might work.
0: And does it work? How is your time so far in the Netherlands?
1: I mean, I <laughs> I don't want to be stereotypical, but I mean, it's great. I, I have to say, I, I think because I was so decided on this and because I knew from such a young age that I would leave, leaving anywhere at all was nice. But the Netherlands especially um, has been really, really good. It's it's similar in many ways. The the weather is very similar. I was not surprised by it. It's a bit wetter, but other than that, it's very similar. Um. And it's not that far away. It's 12 hours by bus, so it's pretty okay. Mm-hmm. But um, there are a lot of aspects that I just prefer. Like, like for example, the country is very beautiful. And, and this is something I, I don't know. A lot of Dutch people I tell this to, they're kind of like, I mean, we don't have any mountains. There's nothing interesting here. But that's not, for me, it's the cities. The cities are very, very beautiful. They're just the architecture is amazing. But I think it's kind of to conce- like hard to conceptualize if you have not lived in an Eastern European city. But we have this um, remnant of the Soviet Union, uh, which basically means that all most of the buildings were destroyed and replaced by uh, blocks, mm-hmm. the, the large concrete blocks, is a very iconic image. And coming here and seeing cities that are not like that and that have people in them that live in these old cities and these old buildings that were kept basically the same way since a very long time. It's kind of incredible because we're not used to that. And when I first came to live in, in my place where I live right now I remember thinking, oh my god, this looks like somewhere where rich people live. Why, why am I here? This, mm-hmm. this this everything to me in the Netherlands seems expensive it seems very polished very pretty. The, the streets are so clean. Yeah. It's something I noticed immediately it's very, very clean but the people as well, I, I love that people here speak English because in my country they don't and as someone who prefers English as a language to communicate in like First and foremost, it was becoming increasingly difficult because if I had to communicate with people who speak no English, I would insert English in all of my sentences and they wouldn't know what I was talking about. Here it's absolutely not a problem. Like especially young Dutch people kind of just do that normally. It's, it's a thing that everyone does. Like yeah. every, any time I'm listening to Dutch people, they're like Dutch, 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 English sentence, Dutch, 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 English yeah. sentence. <laughs> and I keep going. It's I, I honestly like it. I like the uh, international energy of that. I appreciate it.
0: Mm -hmm. and apart from the things you like and love in the netherlands have you experienced things you thought like oh i'm really struggling with this and i really dislike this about being abroad for
1: instance Mm. i mean i don't think it's specifically about being abroad or rather i don't know if netherlands is unique in in this particular problem i mean obviously it's it would be nicer to have my, my family, well, my mother here with me. I always say family is just my mother mm-hmm. here with me because it's nice to be able to go see your family on the weekend, to have them make you some food. Um, and for example, my, my big problem is that when I get sick, I'm completely alone because there's there's like I have housemates, but they are must, out of the house most of the time. We're not really that close. So if I get sick, I just spent all of my days alone. And for example, my last uh, illness, I didn't eat anything because I was too weak to cook and there's no one who will cook for me. Oh. So. So yeah, that, that happens a lot when you're an international, like you can't go home to your family, your family can't come to you really on a short notice. So you just end up alone. But I think that's pretty universal. Um, with struggling living here, it's, I think, mostly just parts of living completely independently on your own. And again, this is something that is often different from for internationals because we don't have family to rely on and your family doesn't really support you. Um, my mother right now can only afford to send me about 100 euro a month and that's it. So everything else that I need to to survive, my rent, my food, I need to earn by myself. Um, and, and I think... With that comes certain struggles, because I do see that like in the Netherlands, there is this kind of expectation that your parents will still support you to university Mm -hmm. and people who don't have that naturally end up in a different position.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, must be tough. But how does it make you feel when you're, for instance, sick and you're not seeing many people around you? How do you manage
1: I I just wait for it to go away really I mean I'm lucky to have a good GP so she, she was very helpful to me when I finally went to see her she just gave me antibiotics she was like okay this is like so she specifically said because you're alone like you need to eat something and you need to function because normally she'd be like just ride it out but if there's no one to help you then it's kind of difficult obviously it, it again it's that kind of thing where you wish something could be done but at the same time I mean I, I know it can't be and I mean it's at some point I would have to deal with this anyway. Like, like there comes a point in your life where your parents die or there's just, you know, you, you have a life independent on your own enough that it just doesn't happen anymore. So it would be nice to have them closer, but that's just how life goes sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. But to me, it sounds quite stressful that you are completely relying on yourself and also money-wise. How do you
1: I mean, yeah, it, it is stressful, although, again, because I had the plan to immigrate from the start and I do not plan to come back, I feel it, it gives it a bit of a different, different flavor because I do not like, I'm not waiting to come back. I'm not waiting to have that life again where my family supports me. This is it. This is my life now. I had to adjust myself to that. And to be completely fair, it's not that difficult because the Netherlands, um, like I am 21 right now and I'm earning the minimum wage. And honestly, like, it's not bad. Like in the Netherlands, the minimum wage is really, really not bad. Um, when I was working full time, it was, Part-time, a little bit more than part-time when I wasn't in a university yet, it was really okay. Um, I could basically support myself and I'm not super stressed about like being able to afford things. Obviously, like I won't be able to go on holidays or anything or save much, but I can live just fine. Um, so it's, but yeah, obviously there is a pressure on supporting yourself. But again, I think that when you're not forced to do it, when it was a choice and when you were prepared that you were going to have to do it. And again, when this is, this is going to be my life. I knew this before I left. I knew that, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing and I'm not going back from this. This is not just a university thing. This is life. You, you have to support yourself at some point. I think that makes it a bit easier. You just kind of try to adjust your life to it and think, okay, this is how it's going to go. Yeah, it, it is obviously very difficult in combination with university. I think mm-hmm. that's yeah, that that that's a different can of worms, I think.
0: Okay. But you sound really brave, but also very rational, I would say. <laughs> Do you give yourself some space to be like tender towards yourself and be vulnerable?
1: <laughs> not really, not really. I'm I am very much a person that expect certain things from myself i again i have to manage myself that that's kind of my idea i have to be responsible for myself i have to manage myself and I have to admit, I do not have patience for, for like beha- irresponsible behavior in myself. In other people, sometimes as well, I, I kind of have trouble accepting that people may not be as organized as me, but I, I got used to that and I kind of accept it now, but with myself, no, it it has to be, I just simply find that life is so much easier when you don't allow yourself to live in chaos. That That's kind of my thought. It's always like, this is always in my head. If I don't do it this way, I'm going to suffer for it later. And I feel like that's, That was my mantra my entire life. Avoid trouble as much as possible. That's the kind of person I am. Do it in a way that will ensure that it's done properly and you don't have to fix it later. You don't have to struggle later. Just Mm -hmm. ensure a smooth path as much as possible, which I think is just very... uh, I'm a safety-oriented person. I want to be safe. That's the truth.
0: (laughs) And does that always work? Or can you recall some moments in which you felt like, okay, uh, I failed there?
1: Honestly, I have to say that I think uh, the, the problem with this approach is that there are things you can't control, and when other factors come into play, your plans are always going to be destroyed. And the problem with me is that I'm not great with accepting that. If my plan did, if, if something didn't go to plan, if something didn't go exactly as I wanted it to, I will be screaming. That is my only response to things going wrong. I just, just a meltdown. It's. I know it's a problem, but it is just kind of how I function. I get over it and I then I adjust my plan to whatever is happening right now. But it's I don't react well to um, unprecedented things that I, I didn't predict. Like if something that I didn't predict happens, it's, it's a bad time for me. <laughs> mm. And that happens a lot, obviously.
0: Yeah. And if this happens, so you feel like you failed at some point, do you tend to bottle that
1: up or do you...
0: No, I'm, someone I'm yelling
1: I'm yelling That that is my only response to anything and it's it's quite distressing to people I think because in general in society we are not used to people reacting in exploding ways yeah. when something happens it's generally not acceptable but it's not that I was never taught to do it I never managed to get how to do it I don't understand the concept of bottling up I'm not capable of it if something is happening I will be yelling I will be crying I will just until I'm not upset anymore and then we can move on and do something and it, it used to be a huge problem when I was a kid, obviously, because kids that just yell at everything are not very favored. Um, <laughs> but I mean, my parents accepted it because my mother, she herself has struggled with bottling up her emotions. Most of her life. She very like told me later on, she went to therapy at some point and she told me like, I was taught to always be quiet. They told me fish and children don't have a voice. It's like a Polish saying. It's you're not uh-huh. allowed to talk when you're a child. You're not allowed to express yourself. You're supposed to be quiet. And she was very much taught that. So when I was growing up, she let me, if I, if I wanted to scream, if I wanted to cry, if, if I wanted to express my emotions, she was like, just, it's better to do it. it. This is the better option because otherwise you're just keeping it all inside. Nobody around you knows how you're feeling and... Y- in the end, you yourself end up not knowing how you're feeling. It just kind of disappears in the background. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's <laughs> it's definitely not good to be too explosive, and I struggle with containing it in public sometimes so I don't take it out on other people. Um, but if I'm alone or if, or if I feel like, okay, others are not paying that much attention to me, I can, I can cry. I don't care.
0: <laughs> oh, interesting. And how are you managing, like, your social life here in the Netherlands? Like, do you have people you can turn to when you're tend to bottle it up and you really want to explode or
1: yeah no i i again i don't really turn to people with problems because i well i mean i complain a lot to people but it's about general stuff like like life stuff like oh i'm struggling with this or that uh not really with emotional stuff because i think that's something i mostly deal with myself i pretend to, to i i um prefer to talk to myself uh, but I, I have a, in, in terms of social life I have a lot of friends I don't I don't, <laughs> don't want to brag or anything no. but but uh, I am kind of in my uh, group this person that I think if someone asks you like oh do you know Sarah I think n- nearly everyone would answer yes like, like they know me yeah. it's probably because I'm uh, sitting in front of the class 90% of time uh, because I have terrible hearing and terrible eyesight so mm-hmm. it really helps to be close to the lecturer but the um, byproduct of that is that everyone always sees my face in class at all times, so they know who I am. Uh, I, I'm also very loud in class. I'm very, I'm a very active person in lectures, so if, if someone is answering a question, it's probably me. Uh, and all of my friends are kind of <laughs> as well. I kind of drag them along. If I'm talking, they're also talking. We're all kind of having uh, a lot of discussions in like the public forum, so I think people know us. Uh, we're, we're generally recognizable, but I also very much try to make myself likable. I, I enjoy being with people. I'm a very social person. I, I like uh, talking with others. I like learning about others, and I, I I absolutely love the amount of different personalities I have in my class right now. I think I've really struck a very good group for my for my program. My program in general has really nice people. But I think I struck a great group because we get along really, really well.
0: So your social life is totally fine here in Europe. Yeah, honestly,
1: I, I was worried about it. I was worried about it, but I realized that. My problem with making friends back in Poland really mostly boiled down to the fact that I do not communicate in Polish very well anymore. And being here, being able to talk with people in English, in a course that has people who want to talk English, because most of my friends are Dutch, but we're in English language and culture, so they like talking in English. That really helped, because I can finally talk in the language that I feel like I can express myself in. Like, trying to talk to people in Polish for me at some point just became very uncomfortable, and there were a lot of words and concepts that I couldn't properly properly Mm -hmm. refer to. It became difficult and people here that I talk to also kind of have a similar mindset to me I think because it's university Uh, the kinds of people that go to university are the kinds of people that I usually get along with because we know a a lot of similar ideas a lot of similar things so it's it's a bit easier for me to communicate when it was a a mixed environment in a a school it was kind of like it, it was a bit difficult some of like the things I said people just wouldn't get it and that that happened quite a lot here it's very much like I feel a kinship with others here Good for you,
0: Sarah. (laughs) Really good. And apart from that, do you have any, would you say, insecurities right now about living in the Netherlands or... Studying in the Netherlands, yeah. working in the Netherlands.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's mostly about the, the working. Well, about studying, obviously, I want to pass my course very well. And there are some some courses I'm not doing that great in. Uh, so obviously, I'd, I'd like to pass all of my exams. Maybe I'll have to drop one or two. I will have to do four years, which is something I realized instead of three. A lot of people do it. It's not unusual here, but I was a little bit bummed out about that, that, OK, no, I'm going to have to stretch this out because this is too much to do in just two years.
0: Is that a tough decision for you, Cindy? you're always listing everything and scheduling everything? Yeah,
1: I I had a, to do a bit of adjustment in my head, mostly about the fact that if I chose to do four years, and then I, if I chose, for example, to do a research master or two masters, I would spend two years, which means by the time I finish university, I'm 26. So I am a little bit insecure about my age. I know it's not extreme, but finishing university as 26, there's going to be people in my workplace who finished at 23, and that they're all like 22, and that's going to be a bit off for me sometimes, I, I think, to, to be like the oldest one and I have some work experience because I have worked before but it's not going to be enough to make up for it so mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that is one thing that I kind of think okay I, again a lot of people have told me that it's not weird that a lot of people here finish a bit later I mean I've met people who have been Definitely. studying for six years now so it's it's not that unusual but I do have to make it in my head like okay there's time there's time I have this problem with a lot of things I'm always thinking oh I'm I'm 21 right now like okay I, I've never been in a relationship. Like when am I gonna get married? When am I gonna like like do all of these things that I'm supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I don't wanna be late for anything. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So you really have a clear picture in your mind what the usual schedule is. Like you marry at, for instance, thirty. Do you work yeah, like that in
1: your head? I mean, I guess I have expressions for myself. Like it's, it's, I'm, I'm a very individualistic person, but I have certain like things I want to do. Uh, I'm not very patient, so I'm thinking, okay, if I can do this now, it would be nice to do it now because I mean, you can die tomorrow. It, it, it's something mm-hmm. I always think like, hmm, let's not waste time. Who, who knows what will happen. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I do kind of have this urge to be like, you have to be efficient, you have to do as much as possible. Uh, but I've been learning to control it. And again, I think taking four years will actually be really good for me because I, um, I would love to take a board year uh, to be in my association board, uh, be a bit more active Ooh. in my sports uh, uh, club, which I am in. So I, I think that would be really nice. So I'm thinking, okay, let's take these four years and spend them actively. Let's, let's use the opportunity to do something more than mm-hmm. just study and work.
0: And you mentioned that you you're trying to <coughs> learn to get a bit more loose in your schedule. How do you how do you do that? Maybe other people can learn I mean I'm it?
1: I wouldn't in in terms of uh yeah, I I don't think I'm I'm really learning to. I, I think my my tight scheduling is something I enjoy uh, to have as part of my life because again, it just makes things easier. I think what I have to learn is to accept that most people don't function like that and to learn to adjust myself. So, for example, not be frustrated when someone tells me, Oh, like sorry, I can't make it today. Oh, sorry, I'm gonna be late, oh we're not doing this after all. And that frustrates me very easily. Mm-hmm. But I have been learning to be like, okay. They have the right to do this. Like, I have the right to be on time. They have the right to be late. Like, that's just how Mm -hmm. life works. But, yeah, learning that most people don't do things on time, don't show up on time, and don't keep to the schedule as tightly as I do is something that I had to just accept. It's just like, okay, you're in the minority here, just accept it, learn to deal with it, because that's how life and society works. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's a a journey.
0: Okay, and, like... Uh, regarding yourself if you don't manage to be somewhere in time for instance do you really perceive that as failure
1: yeah i I guess that's just like well i need to plan better next time because Mm -hmm. to me it's a kind of social responsibility if i am like set up to be there with someone and I'm telling them, oh, I'm going to be there at this time, they will expect me. They don't want someone to wait for me. And, and that's kind of, I feel, what I think about a lot of things. It's like people expect certain things of me. I should be prepared. It's the same like preparing for exams. My lecturer has taken the time to to teach me. They are getting money for it, but they're still putting in effort. They're doing something. And I have come here to learn. So in that, in that case, there is a social responsibility. I have some kind of an obligation. Okay, I should at least try. I should at least attempt this. I should at least put Put in some effort because I'm already here. Someone has put in effort to teach me. I should put in effort to study. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same idea, I think.
0: Okay. But it sounds to me like as if you are mostly... uh, putting the the pressure in yourself
1: absolutely absolutely I I do not accept outside pressure I do not care what people tell me to do I do not care what I am supposed to be doing I care about what I think I should be doing if I think I should do something I will force myself to do it (laughs)
0: and does that work for you or do you feel like you're bothered more than it gives you benefit
1: no i think i think for me it works again i would not recommend this kind of lifestyle to most people i think it's just me i think it's genuinely just me most of the time i just this is just how i function best because again i just learned if i don't do it like this. I'm gonna like like for me, the stress of for example, uh having to write everything down and check my list several times of what I have to do next week is a lot less than being on a Wednesday and finding out I had an assignment I forgot about. Yeah. That is a that is a mortifying kind of sense of Jesus Christ. Christ, no. So to avoid that, I am much more willing to be very focused and be like, okay, let's do this early. Let's get everything done, because that is less stress in the end to me. Mm -hmm. I think it's
0: cool that you, you seem to know yourself quite well and that you found your way to, yeah, to manage and deal with everything in your own way. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, I, I, again, I think the, the biggest thing is just that I do tend to be very tired, but that is just when you work alongside your studies, this is what happens. It's, It's just not really going to go away, so I have to manage as much as I can.
0: What do you do as for work? Uh, I'm a
1: delivery driver. <laughs> it's uh, I, I think some internationals, if they will ever be listening to this, will relate to the fact that when you don't speak, that you don't have much of a choice in terms of job. If you want to find a job, you're probably going to be a delivery driver. If you're lucky enough not to work in a factory, I used to do that as well, and uh, I do not recommend. Um, unless you're in a really bad situation, just avoid the factory. So, yeah, I'm a delivery driver. It's uh, In the winter, it's pretty bad. Like right now, this is why I keep getting sick, mm-hmm. because terrible weather. Weather outside. Driving in this weather is not nice.
0: Oh, it's like not not bus driver. But no, no,
1: no. I'm yeah, yeah. Like uh, I scooter. Uh, we we don't really have any kind of protection for our faces. So I'm just breathing in the cold air, like in the middle of the night when I'm delivering. It's it's not very pleasant. That sucks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't have any other words for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's we it, were kind of freezing to death at all times. I wear seven layers total when I'm delivering. I look like a Michelin man, you know, <laughs> like just just walking like like this. It's I really
0: <laughs> want to li- like uh, order something from you. <laughs> To to see see me.
1: Yeah. You would see me in my giant delivery hat. Like I have a big helmet. It's bigger than my entire head. I look like a mushroom. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. You're funny, Sarah. You're funny. <laughs> but
0: yeah, we have to wrap it up at some point, yeah. sadly enough. So I'm going to ask you my final, final question.
1: And that's always,
0: what would you have liked to know before you came to the Netherlands?
1: <sighs> oh God, there's so much I could write a book <laughs> Honestly, I feel like and this is something I've mentioned to the university itself before when I was discussing this with some people, um, is that I wish there was kind of a guidebook on how to deal with some of the more formal stuff that goes around, because there's a lot of stuff you don't know. Like, I didn't know what a BSN number was. I didn't yeah. know uh, that I needed certain documents to be able to rent privately. Like, I didn't know what a guarantor was. I didn't know I needed income statements. I didn't even know I needed an income. Uh, there's a lot of things you don't hear about until you're here. And having known that, my life was would have been so much easier if I had been informed of all the formalities that I needed to actually settle down and to actually deal with certain stuff, especially the bureaucracy. I think that would have been really, really helpful. I am working right now on, I'm probably going to be doing it during the summer, on compiling a kind of survival guidebook for international students that I am like to yeah share with people. Because I think that there's a lot of things that you, Only other students can tell you. Only people who have been in the same situation can tell you and and kind of honestly discuss how to do this. I've written some posts about this before on how to find a house, uh, how to find a job and stuff like that. But having it all compiled in one place would have helped me immensely. And I hope that will help other people.
0: Wow, that's a really good initiative.
1: Yeah, I, I I enjoy writing so and I kind of just been doing it in my own head for a while so I started doing it online and people were telling me like, "Oh, can you answer this question? Can you answer this question?" I thought, "Okay, maybe let's just let's just do the, all of this. Let's just write it down." Because again, I wish that would have been a thing like I was hunting the internet for answers when I was just mm-hmm. coming here, just spending hours looking to obscure posts from like 2009 trying to figure out, "Okay, how, what is a ganto? How do you vent? Is anybody telling like about the experiences? How do you choose a university? What's going yeah. on?" It's very hard to find an information that's very factual and, and very serious. So it would be really nice to have that.
0: Okay, really good. Well, good luck with that and keep us posted about how that is going and if you need any help. Um, but thank you very much for this interview. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bottle Up. Next time, I'll talk to Artemis about the struggle of taking the initiative when trying to make new friends. So until next time.